1965, Mick Jagger swaggered out the iconic lines, I'm free to do what I want any old time. I'm free to choose what I please any old time. It's a great song, though this is my moment of confession. I'll have to admit that until the other week, I only knew the 1990 cover version by the Soup Dragons. And if you're younger than me, today this might be a revelation to you, but uh, Dua Lipa did not write that song. So there you go. If you don't even know who Dua Lipa is, it's probably good for you. Anyway, whichever version you like, it's a great song. I reckon it could almost be our national anthem. Uh, The song expresses our deep desire to be free, to be without any constraints, any limits. No one can tell us what to do. Free at any old time to get what I want. Uh, It's the plot of many favourite movies. Finding Nemo. Nemo feels constrained by his anxious and overprotective dad. The movie tells the story of Nemo having the courage to find freedom without the limits of his father. Uh, Frozen. Elsa is oppressed by society's expectations and fear. They can't cope with the true Elsa. She has to hide her identity as an ice princess. But after successfully hiding in the castle for many years, by accident the truth is revealed and she's finally able to let it go. And as she sings, and I'm really sorry parents, this is... Now going to be stuck in your head until Wednesday. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. What's life like when there's no rules, no limits? Well, Elsa sings out victoriously, I'm free. I reckon if you were to ask most people walking around Gippie today... If you were to ask them, they'd say religion and particularly Christianity. Religion is one of the things that most limits, most enslaves people. Jesus isn't the place you go to find freedom. Following Jesus means constriction, being limited, being bound. And maybe you'd agree with them. Maybe for you, Christianity is restrictive. Your friends and family, they get to do all sorts of fun things. Do whatever they want, any old time. Maybe they're right. But over the last couple of weeks, we've been studying Galatians, and the big message of Galatians is the gospel of Jesus brings freedom. And we hear this again at the start of chapter 5. So have a look in your Bible, Galatians 5.1. Emphatically, Paul says, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus came to bring freedom, true and lasting freedom. Really? Really? I mean, it doesn't feel like that sometimes. How on earth could Christianity really make you free? How is Jesus for freedom? The freedom that the, that's the focus of Galatians is Jesus frees his people from the law. 
by law, by the law, we're talking about the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and all the laws you read in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. But what does it mean to be free from the law? Particularly if you're a Christian, well, those books are in our Bible. They're God's word to us. What does it mean to be free from the law? Well, in Galatians 5, there are three ways we're free from the law. Three ways that we are free from the law. The first is believers are free from the constraint, from the obligation of the law. So this is verse 2, Galatians 5 and verse 2. Mark my words, listen up. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Circumcision is the big issue in Galatia. The gospel says faith in Christ alone makes you right with God. Justification comes through faith in Jesus. But false teachers had gone into Galatia and they're saying, look, that's not true. Look, Jesus is okay but it's really about what you do. To be right with God, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to live according to the law. But verse 3 says no to this. Paul says, no, Christians have no obligation to the law. Yes, the first five books of the Bible are scripture for us. They are God's word to us. They preach Christ to us. But they are not a law for believers. The good news of Jesus is freedom from the obligations of the law. That's the first freedom. The second is Jesus frees us from the curse, from the punishment of the law. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Uh, Earlier in Galatians, in chapter 3, it says, only in Christ... Can we escape the law's curse? So this is Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ redeemed us. He purchased our freedom from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a, or a cross. All right, so we've just heard in Galatians 5.3, if you try to get right with God through the law, you've got to keep the whole law, every last command, every last detail and word and if you don't you face the punishment lawbreakers deserve the only way to escape punishment the only way to break the curse of the law is if jesus becomes the curse for you if jesus dies in your place there's only one way to be freed from the curse of the law but verse 4 reminds us tells us teaches us Trusting in yourself, living by the law, it actually alienates, it separates you from the grace of God. The only way to be freed from the punishment of the law is by trusting in Jesus. And it's this truth is what makes the law hopeless. The law cannot give hope for the future. The law only condemns and reveals our sin, but Jesus frees us from the hopelessness of the law. So three freedoms, so that's the third one. The first one is 
Jesus frees from the obligations of the law. The second, Jesus frees from the curse, the punishment of the law. And finally, Jesus frees from the hopelessness of the law. Verse 5. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. There's one person who can get right with God through the law, and that's Jesus. In fact, he was always right with God, but he continues to be right with God by perfectly always obeying God's law. Only Jesus, because he is the God-man, only he can keep the whole law. We will never get right with God by our own efforts. The only way is by faith, through trusting in Jesus, being declared, being credited with his Righteousness, as we heard from Genesis 15 before, the only hope we have of righteousness is by faith. That's where our only hope is. Now, verse 5 raises a question. So far, in our time in Galatians, justification is a right now thing. Right now, believers are justified. We are right with God And because of this, right now, believers have received the Spirit. And right now, we have been crucified with Christ, and Christ lives in us. And right now, we are sons of God, which means right now, we can pray and call out to God as Abba Father. But here, verse 5 says, hang on, righteousness is something we await. Righteousness is something believers hope for. What's going on? Righteousness is something we have right now in Jesus. But in verse 5, it's looking to the last day when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. And on that last day, just as right now, being right with God is through faith in Jesus, nothing's going to change on that last day. On that day, the righteousness that matters is by faith in Jesus. And this is important. Plenty of Christians get this one mixed up. It's not like you get into God's family by faith. You walk through the door by faith, but then once you're in there, boy, you better work your, you know, work yourself crazy and do everything you can to stay in God's good books because just you wait. He's looking out for a way to get you. No. Righteousness now and righteousness on the last day is by faith. The righteousness we hope for is always by faith. And this is because in Christ what matters is faith. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Can you imagine Paul the Pharisee, Paul, before he met Jesus, could you imagine him saying, oh, circumcision, it's of no value? That is a radical sentence for a Jewish man, a Pharisee, to make. But the gospel says the only thing that matters is faith in Jesus and the love that flows out from this. Now, we're going to come back to faith expressing itself through love in our third point, but so far, Christ has set us free Free from the law, free from the constraints of the law, free from the punishment of the law, and free from the hopelessness of the law. Now, this is really good news, isn't it? Freedom is good news. And so the question is, we've been hearing this in Galatia, like, 
why would anyone put themselves under the law? Having been freed in Christ, why would you put on your shoulders the yoke of slavery? Why would you volunteer yourself to become a slave? Well, in Galatia, it was because someone had come in and tripped them up. And it only takes a little trip to get you completely off course. Verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may, beg your pardon, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching uh, circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. It it doesn't take much to trip you. Uh, Just a a little tap on the foot can can make you tumble. Uh, Like uh, this really tragic photo of a lady named Mary Decker. She was expected to win gold in the 3,000 metres at the 1984 Olympics. But she, she got tripped, didn't even finish the race. That's what's happening in Galatia. The law teachers are tripping believers up and it doesn't take much, just like it doesn't take much yeast to make a, a whole loaf of bread rise. A teaspoon of, of yeast for a whole loaf or just a, a little bit of starter for the whole sourdough. It may have been that the false teaching about circumcision, look, it's only a little bit, just a little snip. But in the Bible, it's part of the law. And Sorry, it's only a little slip. And look, you can imagine the false teachers going, look, circumcision's in the Bible. It's part of the law. Surely it wouldn't make much difference, you Gentile, now believer in Jesus. wouldn't make much difference if you trust in Jesus and you also get circumcised and trust in your own ability to keep the law. But, but no, this is deadly serious. As we hear in verse 12, in biting sarcasm, Paul says, look, why stop at circumcision? If you're going to lead people astray, just take the knife up a bit further. Why? Because the mass of the gospel is faith in Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Only a little bit of yeast makes the whole loaf rise, just a, a little tap on the foot and you tumble over and do not finish the race. Only a little bit of false teaching a little bit of trusting in yourself rather than Jesus, and you are alienated from Christ. Which is why Paul's willing to suffer. He's willing to be persecuted for the truth. Paul himself used to persecute believers for this very reason. And now he knows it's worth it. It's worth suffering. It's worth suffering for the hope of righteousness. And so Paul's encouragement to the Christians in Galatia and to us is stick with Jesus. Don't add anything to faith in Jesus because you cannot add to Christ. And Paul's confident the Galatian believers will listen. They're going to get up and finish the race because as they read this letter, they're going to see, oh, we need Christ because anything else is slavery. Only the gospel of grace gives freedom. Freedom from the obligation, the constraint of the law. Freedom from the curse, the punishment of the law. Freedom from the hopelessness of the law. 
Now, this sounds really good, doesn't it? It doesn't mean the Rolling Stones were right. That true freedom is being free to do what I want any old time. If Christ has made us free, free from the law, does that mean we're free to sin, if that's what you want to do? Free to worship other gods? Free to push someone over so you can get their place in the queue? Not that anyone would do that. Is that what our freedom means? No. Now, this might sound crazy to the Rolling Stones and to many people's ears or some people's ears, but the Bible says freedom in Christ, true freedom, isn't doing whatever you want. It's being freed to love. Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Uh, True freedom isn't simply freedom from. True freedom is freedom for. We're not only being freed from, but even more freed for. True freedom is being freed to live in love, to live in God's love and in a community of love. Now, there's a paradox in this, isn't there, that true freedom is found in love. And we get this, the paradox get to its pointy bit in verse 13. And getting verse 13 right unlocks true freedom. So if you're not sure about freedom, you want to be free, listen up, verse 13. The word translated serve in verse 13 is the same word often translated slave. So chapter 5, verse 1, don't be enslaved to the law. Don't be a slave to sin and the flesh. That's chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 13, freedom is found in serving, being enslaved to one another. How does this work? How can serving one another be freedom? It's because there's no freedom, no joy, no hope found in a self-serving type of freedom. Being free to do whatever I want any old time is no freedom at all because, verse 15, this leads to biting and devouring one another. Selfish freedom means my freedom always bumps up against your freedom and this leads to conflict, biting and devouring. I'm sure you've seen it. When my freedom and your freedom, my... We don't use the term freedom so much in our culture, do we? We use rights. When my rights and your rights butt up against each other, I'm free to be whatever I want, biting and devouring. Uh, Verse 15 also gets to the hopelessness of the law. False freedom leads to biting and devouring, as does legalism. Uh, The law leads to judgmentalism, competition. I'm anxious that you're doing better at keeping the law than I am, so I'm envious of you, and to make me look better and feel better, I, I find your flaws and I attack them to make you look bad and me look good. Legalistic churches 
always end up tearing each other to shreds. Freedom's not found in the law. And, and true freedom isn't found in just doing whatever you want any old time because both of these lead to biting and devouring each other. And there's no freedom there. And even Disney stories about freedom end up discovering this. Finding Nemo and Frozen, I'm sure, are written mostly by people who believe the gospel of the Rolling Stones, that freedom is being free to do what I want any old time. But they can't tell that story. As much as they they want that to be true, as you write the story, it just doesn't work as a story because it's not true. As much as we want it to be true, we know deep down it's not true. Nemo, yes, he manages to break free of his anxious dad's limits, but the moment he does, he's caught and then finds himself in a fish tank. His quest to be free to do what he wants leads him to being more trapped, more constrained than when he was in the ocean with his dad. And in the end, Nemo discovers true freedom in the safety of a loving relationship with his dad. Elsa thinks it's great. No right, no wrong, no rules for her. And as she sings this song, she's building an incredible ice palace, which ends up being a jail, a kingdom of isolation. She's left out in the cold. Yes, it does protect her from the fear-driven horde, but it also isolates and separates her from love. And she ends up hurting, almost killing her sister in her desire for false freedom. But in the end, she finds true freedom and joy as she returns to Arendelle, finding safety and community in the love of her sister and friends. And as she learns to control her power. Even our culture's storytellers discover that true freedom isn't being free to choose what I please any old time. You're not going to find freedom in the law. And that probably comes as no surprise. That's kind of second nature to us. But you're also not going to find true freedom by doing what you want any old time. Or to use the language of Galatians, there's no freedom in indulging the flesh. That's just being ruled by our desires. That attempt for freedom results in a kingdom of isolation, destroying each other and being destroyed yourself. True freedom, the freedom won at the cross and brought to life by the Spirit of Christ is to love and to be loved. Because this is who God has made us to be. We were created to live in relationship with God and each other. Lives of self-giving love. Because this is who God is. Eternally the Father loving the Son in the unity and joy of the Spirit. This is the paradox of true freedom. And this is why Christianity, why knowing Jesus is the only way to be truly free. Jesus doesn't make us slaves to the law. No, he frees us from the law in order to love, which in the end fulfills the law. 
The law, rightly understood, is about loving your neighbour as yourself, verse 14. The problem with being under the law, with treating the law as law, is you ignore the spirit. When we're enslaved by the law, we're not trusting in Christ and we're not receiving his grace and freedom. Do you want to be free? I think we all do. True freedom isn't going to be found in looking to yourself. You're not going to get free by doing what you selfishly want. You're also not going to get free by rules and laws. Only in Jesus, through faith in him, through the spirit he gives, only there is freedom. Freedom from yourself. Freedom to love and to be loved. Freedom to live in line with the truth of who God is and the truth of how he's made the world. Freedom to forgive one another rather than destroying each other. Freedom to be honest. To be honest about our sins and failures because we're not trying to compete with each other. If you don't know this freedom, whether it's because you've been sold a version of Christianity that's about the law, or it's because you've always been told that Jesus causes oppression, come to Jesus. Trust in him. Be found in him. And find true freedom in him. Let's pray. Father God, thanks so much for the freedom we have in Christ. Not freedom to bite and devour, not freedom to indulge our sinful desires, but freedom to live in love. Grow us in our love for you, for our church family, for our neighbours, and even for our enemies. Please enable our church to be a place that shines in its community because of how we love one another with a love that comes from the Spirit in knowing Christ in his gospel. Amen.